Hey everyone, welcome to the Accounting Firm Podcast. Are you struggling to grow your accounting firm? Not anymore. This is where you get actual insights every week into how to scale your firm. Each week, we will spend 15 minutes interviewing actual accounting firm owners, just like you, so you can learn how they overcame the biggest challenges that you will face when growing your firm. Let's get started. Hey everyone, today we have Hope Blankership. She is the owner of To The Rescue Bookkeeping. She's been in business for 14 years. They manage a team of seven across four states and currently serve over 200 clients. Hope, it's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. We're honored to have been asked to be on this show. No problem, really excited to jump in. Are you ready to get started? Yes, absolutely. So Hope, We're going to start off by just passing you the mic. Give us a quick overview on the firm. You know, we just love to hear what you do and what you're all about. Sure. So I am the founding partner of To The Rescue Bookkeeping. Uh, We're mainly located, our home office is located in Biloxi, Mississippi, but we handle clients all over the U.S. Um, I originally started the company in Alaska, which is where I'm from. Um, And we basically are a full service bookkeeping firm. Um, We also kind of specialize in new business consulting and setup and cleanup projects um, in regards to bookkeeping or accounting. Um, So we can do as much or as little as the client needs, wants, we can scale it to their business. Um, As their business grows, they can use more of our services. You know, if their business, you know, they're looking to retire and they're kind of phasing out, we you know, can kind of downscale the services that we provide for them. So um, we're very customizable to each client, um, but we try to handle as much as we can um, with the budget that they have for accounting. Great. So thank you for that introduction. Now I'm curious, what made you want to start in a, an accounting firm? What, what was that like? What was the transition? What were your goals and aspirations with that? Wow. So to be honest, it was completely by accident. Um, Looking back 14 years later, I've been asked this question a lot. And honestly, at most of the jobs I had growing up, I was quickly put into an administrative or management position. Um, Even from my very first job when I was 16, they created a position there for me um, as a manager. So um, I just saw that I I had a gift for administration and um, numbers and just bookkeeping and keeping things organized um, and understanding how that world works. Um, And so I originally started doing bookkeeping for my mom's restaurant. She had hired a bookkeeper who was getting ready to retire. And so that bookkeeper basically trained me um, how to be a bookkeeper and the things to do, payroll, the day-to-day stuff. Um, how to kind of bookkeep for a restaurant, um, which then got into my sister's friend owned a restaurant. And so he wanted me to do bookkeeping for his restaurant. Um, And I quickly kind of realized I was really good at it. I enjoyed it. Um, And so I had talked to my husband and said, hey, I think that this could just be my career and I enjoy it. So what do you think? And he was all in and he came up with the name and we started back in 2007. So it sounded like your first two clients were restaurants. Would you say today that that's your focus, your niche? So I am probably not the normal um, bookkeeping firm. Um, I know for years that they've really 
kind of pushed bookkeeping firms to pick a niche. And I wouldn't say that that we have one, do I specialize in restaurants or know how they work? Sure, because I managed one. So I know from the beginning to the end, you know, kind of how that works. But um, we don't have a specific niche that we, we work on. And I kind of found through COVID that that was a blessing because I felt like if we had picked a niche, i.e. just had restaurants, you know, that didn't go so well for restaurants who were shut down for months on end and, you know, maybe couldn't make ends meet or pay a bookkeeper at the time. So, um, so while we specialize kind of more on bookkeeping cleanups, there's not just one industry that we really specialize in um, that I would call a niche. That's interesting. And I, I like the point you made about it helps you like diversify, right? To prevent mm -hmm. risk for certain situations, like a lot of firms saw in COVID, you know, if, and that's why I was curious to find out if you were focused on restaurants, did that have a big impact on your right. And, you know, speaking of COVID, you know, that was a tough time for a lot of people. Did, did how did, how was that affecting, how did that affect your business? I know a lot of firms, it became a good opportunity for them to find, create additional services that they could provide to their clients. And yeah, make it through those absolutely. I had, um, I had multiple clients. We had our, our chamber here is a, a very big um, proponent of education and stuff for small businesses here in our area. And I was up late into the 2 a.m.s many nights reading through the things that Congress was passing for PPP funds or idle funds or, you know, which businesses uh, qualified for those. So um, a lot of that stuff I did for, you know, the clients that we already had, knowing that, uh, like, I didn't charge for those services because I knew that that would keep them long-term with us, you yeah. know, because it was harder for them to figure out that information than me to, to you know, kind of work through it and understand who could qualify for what and, um, and just give them that information. So we worked hard <laughs> during COVID trying to keep up with all um, the rules and regulations and trying to help people get, get the funding that they needed. So well, thank you for that. So I wanna talk about, you know, you have a team of seven now across four states, but when you started, it was just you, right? And right. A, a lot of firms, you know, they every firm starts that way, they're a solo, but taking that transition to create, hiring your first employee and building that team and that culture. It's a tough, it's a tough transition. Uh, what was that like for you? Yeah, I, um, I kind of quickly realized that um, one, so my husband was active duty military and I, I quickly realized that this could be a career for uh, military spouses that we could possibly turn this into something that they could take with them. A lot of military spouses don't, their careers are kind of put on the back burner because they've got to take care of the family and those dynamics while their spouse is active duty in the military. So that was really kind of where that was birthed from um, was I hired some military spouses, um, obviously because I had more work than I could handle, but you know, that kind of grew into me realizing that this could be something really great for military spouses. And it has been for years. I still have military spouses employed with me. They're able to travel all over and continue to, to take care of their clients. So um, it was scary and it was hard to keep up with the workload and train people and implement 
you know, uh, processes because it wasn't just me anymore. Um, so it was definitely a challenge, but um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. What, what did you do to overcome that? Right. So it, it is a big thing trying to like implement a process to like make sure everyone's doing the work correctly or to monitor to make sure everything's getting done. Was there anything that you did or uh, that you implemented that helped you uh, deal with that, that challenge? Yeah, sure. I, I'm a learner by nature. So um, I Googled a lot of things. I reached out to people that I knew um, owned businesses that had employees, um, you know, or friends that I knew uh, were managers of employees. And I, I kind of mini interviewed them to, to ask questions on like, you know, just different things that I felt like I needed to know um, to be able to reach out. So networking, I think is just huge, getting other people's opinions on decisions that you're trying to make or things that you're trying to grow into, um, along with just kind of research, you know, what software and what tools can have other people used that can help you. What was uh, one big takeaway you think you got from those interviews that made the biggest difference? Oh man. Um, I think the biggest takeaway for me that I learned was I, I don't know everything there is to know about running a business. I definitely didn't back then. Um, And so any information from people who had owned businesses, you know, for a while and had employees was, was good information that I was soaking up, you know, and that I've, I've used throughout the years for sure. Well, thanks. Uh, So let's talk about, um, because you had an, you have an interesting story uh, from what you told me, you know, at one point you guys grew the business to a certain level, I think it was 12 employees, but you decided your, your, your aspirations for where you wanted to take the company changed a little bit. So you made some changes. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I had these big aspirations to have a huge bookkeeping firm in a big city and have a corner office and have tons of people working for me. Um, and so I, you know, I took on the clients, I took on the employees, I just hired people. Um, and I think for me, I quickly realized that it, that my biggest thing is what's the service that we're providing and what's the purpose, you know, for what we're doing for our clients. And I felt like that was falling short because I was having to spend more time managing people and their lives versus, helping teach people um, how to care for their clients and things of that nature. Because the more people you get under you, the, you know, the more kind of dynamics you have to, to figure out and run and, and counsel employees. And, and you kind of have to know how their lives are running and are they stressed and, you know, lots of kind of personal things like that, um, that will affect their work and that will affect your company name. Uh, essentially. And so I really kind of figured out quickly, uh, I don't want to be a manager of people. I want to be a good service provider for my clients for the purpose of, you know, helping them through financial difficulties and, and stress regarding bookkeeping and their business. Yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, when they first start a business, sometimes there's this huge aspiration to build this big, huge, successful business. And it's exciting, right? But when you get into it, um, you start to realize how how much goes into that and how stressful it can be. And uh, 
a lot, I think for like a lot of people, they see the value in really just providing an amazing service that people love and building a lifestyle business that, you know, you can be happy with and, and really enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, I wanted to ask you about this too, because it was a really interesting thing you brought up. So pricing, you know, pricing is a big thing a lot of firms struggle with. Um, it's, it's mentally, it's a tough thing to overcome. And as you grow, a lot of times firms have to make changes to pricing. So when you started, you know, 14 years ago, I mean, is your pricing the same today? Have you guys increased that? Has your model changed at all? Yeah, definitely not the same as it was. <laughs> When I started out, um, I think I was charging $15 an hour, um, <laughs> which, which in Alaska too is pretty low because the cost yeah. of living is pretty high there. But um, I kind of knew I didn't have the experience and, and the clients that allowed me to work on their stuff knew that too. So, you know, there was that. But as I grew and learned more, as I went to conferences for accounting, as I, you know, really dove into um, connecting with other people in my industry. Um, one thing that was really big for me was we went to a Scaling New Heights um, conference and it was really about like, hey, your, your value is not in, um, you know, the work that you put out for the month. It's all of the training and research and education that you've done, you know, over the period of time, whether that's the five years, the 10 years, whatever schooling, all those things that, that you have up in your brain that you're relying on to get these great financial reports or consult with a client on decisions that they need to make within their business regarding numbers, you know, um, I'm giving them my expertise, um, and knowledge. And so, someone taught that at a scaling new heights conference. And I was kind of like, man, that's so true. Cause if I call an attorney, I'm calling them because I don't know how to do what they do, but I want to end result. Um, yeah. and I'm, paying, I'm paying them for their knowledge for them having gone to school and having education on, you know, that specific subject that I need help on. Um, and so that, that was really kind of a turning point for me where I was, I really felt confidence in being able to change my pricing um, kind of around that structure. I think that's a really great way to look at it. And I think a lot of people don't see that sometimes, you know, the, you put a lot of time in learning the craft and people mm -hmm. have to respect that. And I, 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 pricing is a huge struggle mentally for people to, to, to go to their customers. I mean, I mean, were you nervous when you first decided that you need to increase your pricing and going to your customers? Yes, I was very nervous. Um, but in, I think I've increased my prices three to four times in the last 14 years. And I can tell you that on a hand, like one hand, five clients that, that maybe have left over time um, because they found something cheaper or, or like their family member graduated from accounting, you know, it was like one thing here or another that was probably related to price. Um, but each one of those, even when they left said, you know, the service that was provided was, was worth what they're paying. But obviously for some people, it's going to be, if you can find it cheaper, you know, then they're going to go with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, was there anything that you would, if you could give advice to anyone listening to this podcast, what advice would you give them if they're thinking about increasing pricing? Like what helped you be successful in doing that with your clients? Um, it's, it's figuring out the narrative. So like, how are you going to propose that? 
And, and what are you going to promise based on the cost increase? Right. So it was easy for me because I would say, Hey, like we, you know, there's several things we stick to here. We're a bookkeeping firm. We're not an accounting firm. I don't have a degree. Um, so I don't have that behind me, but what I did say was I hold everyone that works at my firm to a standard of having the same continuing education um, hours every year that a CPA has to provide to the state board. Um, and so there is a level of education from my firm that, that you're getting the expertise of um, when we're doing our work. It's not just us entering numbers and supplying you a financial report. Like we're counseling you on that report. We're keeping track of licenses that you need to renew. You know, um, I've been called before the financial bookkeeping nanny. So I'm a nanny for the business. Um, we're kind of just making sure those backend things work well for, um, for the owners. Um, so, you know, try it, but know what your narrative is. You need to be confident in the knowledge that you have um, and the service that you're providing. And I think people understand that and can, can hear that from your voice when you're proposing it or an email when, you know, when you're sending a letter or whatever. Okay, great. So to wrap it up, we've got five quick fire questions that I want to run through with you. So the first okay. one, um, if you could go back in time when starting your firm, what is a single piece of advice you would give yourself? Ooh, um, it's going to be hard, but it'll be worth it. <laughs> um, and I just say, just hang in there and don't ever forget the purpose behind what you're doing. Um, and uh, one other kind of caveat to that is remember that you're never going to know everything about this industry. Um, you have to have a team um, and a network of people that you're building over time where you can call them if you have questions or need to, you know, uh, bump an idea off of them or, um, you know, ask about employees or any kind of things like that. So um, just have your network of people as you're growing. Okay. Number two, what traits do you think are important to being a successful firm owner? Hmm. Um, I think that you should have courage. You're going to have to have that and some thick skin because you're dealing with finances. And sometimes you have to tell people they don't have the money to spend that they think they do. <laughs> and they don't always like that answer. I can see that. Um, I think that you have to have empathy because money stresses people out. It's a huge, uh, it's a huge factor in stress and anxiety, especially for business owners. Um, and so I think we have to empathize with that, with that too, and, and that they have a life and, and that can be stressful. Um, and I think you have to be future focused. You always need to be one step ahead of your clients or your employees um, and your employees. Number three, what is your favorite accounting resource for any and everything accounting? Ooh, there's a lot of them for us, but my favorite one that I think I pushed throughout the years is the accounting Facebook pages where we all get together and where we're able to just post questions or ideas and we all collaborate together um, just through those groups. It's just great to have that network. Is there any one Facebook group that stands out to you the most? Um, to be honest, I don't remember the names of them. It's, you know, a lot of them are like the quick uh, QBBO, I think, and the accountants uh, bookkeepers page. Um, if you, if you search any of those, a lot of them are going to come up and I just pick the top three that have the most, uh, you know, the most members. Okay. Uh, number four, uh, what tool do you use in your firm that you couldn't live without? 
Um, okay, so this is a total plug for financial sense, only because we've searched for a practice management software forever. And um, I think we came to you guys maybe a year and a half ago or so. And Financial Sense has definitely changed the platform of um, project management for us, especially because uh, some of our employees are remote. So it's just a great way for us to be able to collaborate and keep track of what everyone's working on and, and the status of where everybody is with each client. And lastly, do you have anything that you're working on right now that you'd like to promote or for the audience to hear about? Um, so this was a funny question. I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I feel like any entrepreneur has about 4,700 things that they're working on um, for their future because we get bored if we have one idea. So, um, I, but I would say my newest endeavor is, um, I started a second business called HB coaching and consulting, and I am specializing in process implementation. Um, and improvement within a business and also risk management surrounding fraud prevention. So um, I really love the fraud world. It's a lot of fun. That's exciting. And yeah, I agree with you. I think there's always something new on my list that I get curious about. It never <laughs> ends. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. It's great having you on the show. We really appreciate your time hearing your story. I think the listeners are going to love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks everyone for listening in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go write a review. This will help other firms just like you find our podcast so they can get insights into how to grow their firm. See you next week.